Welcome to the future of life, work, and wellness with Ngomu. My name is Al Wynand, and today I'm speaking with Joyce Joya about the future of work. Joyce is the CEO of the Herman Group of Companies and author of the forthcoming book, Experience Rules, How Positive Experiences Will Drive Profits into the Future. Joyce, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Al. Happy belated New Year. It's, it's great to see you again. It's so good to see you. I can't believe we're almost at the end of the first quarter. Wow. Where did the time go? Time flies when you're having fun, they say. So, Joyce, I'm excited to be speaking with you again here. It's been a little while, but I think we have to address this as we kick off our first show here. So, in a nutshell, how has you know, COVID you know, that we've experienced in the last two years, how has it changed the, the workforce and the workplace? And what um, do those changes mean, you know, as we're getting ready to move, as I said, into the second quarter of the year? The COVID pandemic has changed the workforce in many ways, but I'm going to give you the top three. The first one is that there's been a tremendous value shift on the part of employees and workers to wanting to make a difference. Uh, they're really feeling like it, it, sometimes their previous jobs, they, they were unappreciated, they didn't feel like they were making a difference. So they're jumping to another job where they can feel like they do. The second thing is that there's, an, a, and it's very related to the first, is that there's a reevaluation of work and life. People are saying, you know, when I'm when I'm on at death's door and I look back on my life, it's not going to matter how much I worked. What will matter is the relationships I experience, the love I exchange. So people are taking another look at their work in relationship to life. And, you know, we used to talk about work-life balance, and now it's life-work balance. The third thing, and this is a big one, especially for employers, is that mental health issues are front and center. They become a major issue because many of us, as a result of having experienced COVID, were isolated and some of us even felt feelings of loneliness. Um, I, I was blessed to be lo in lockdown with my husband, but not all people were as lucky as me. And many of our employees are still exhibiting signs of mental issues. In fact, I, I just wrote a trend alert, uh, my Herman trend alert, uh, about the uh, how employers need to avoid uh, abuse of their employees because everybody has such a short fuse these days and it's all a result of these higher stress and mental issues that seems like everybody to one degree or another is experiencing. So true. So, so to take out your crystal ball, and what do you see happening with COVID in, in the coming year? Well, for the next one or two months, some workplaces will continue to have the plexiglass barriers. Uh, and then, like masks, they will gradually abandon them. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, 
Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, we will continue to see new variants. The good news is that so far, the new variants will be milder. And the best part of it is that we have a plan to deal with it, uh, especially since the, the current administration just announced that all of our pharmacies, at least here in the United States, will have a new system for testing. And then if you test positive, they will automatically dispense the antivirals that you need. Uh, there may be other infections that break out, but hopefully, and I'm, 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 very, I'm feeling very positive about that, uh, will not be unprepared as we were in the case of COVID. In the past, you know, the, the past is sometimes prologue. And before our previous president, there were outbreaks of things like Ebola and H191 and other things like that. And happily, for the most part, they all stayed offshore from the United States. So as you mentioned earlier, you know, about mental health and mental health really took a hit in, in the past couple of years, especially with employees. So talk a little bit about how employers can address that, but also the other issues around wellness. So not just the, not just the mental ones. Well, employers can address those mental health issues in, in many ways. Uh, certainly they can give people referrals to an EAP. They can uh, provide someone to come like once a month. Years ago, companies uh, like the Lillian Vernon catalog used to have like nutritionists and organizers who would come once a month to be on site and people could sign up for time with that person. My best guess is that there will, at some point, we will have counselors and therapists who will be coming onto, into the corporate arena once a month and people can sign up for times with them because these are issues that definitely, definitely do need to be addressed. And it may be that people don't want to have anybody else know that they're going to see somebody. So it may be that with some companies that might not work. However, the other thing that they can do is that there happens to be this online platform called Ngomu, and Gomu has some coaches who can help people reduce their stress. And I think that that's kind of the wave of the future. We've seen online apps where people can go and access uh, counselors and therapists and the Ngomu app is just where people can go and be coached about reducing stress, mindfulness, and other wellness issues. But getting into the expanded version, I'm sorry, the expanded definition of the word wellness. Wellness years ago used to be confined to physical wellness. You know, we, we gave people memberships in health clubs and, and we sometimes had health clubs on site uh, or a workout room on site. Even in small companies, they would get like a treadmill and a bicycle and put them in a separate room so that employees could stay healthy. But what we're seeing is that wellness is being expanded a lot to include 
financial wellness, because we know that there's a connection between the mind and body. And when people are stressed out about their finances, they are not going to be as productive and they're more likely to become sick. Because the more stress that we have, the more cortisol we release in our bodies. And we know that 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 high levels of cortisol reduce the immune response, and therefore people are much more likely to get sick. So we need to pay attention to our physical wellness as well as our mental wellness and eliminate all of those stressors that we possibly can. That was a great answer, Joy. So on, on a completely different topic, and in the past 18 months, we've seen more conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's an important topic we, we really appreciate here at Ingomo. So um, can you share why it's important for HR professionals and other businesses and other business leaders you know, to address this? Yes, Al, it's a very important topic. And the reason that it is so important is especially at this time when we're seeing what, what is called the Great Resignation. And in case you thought that the Great Resignation was strictly in the United States, it's not. It's a global phenomenon. And what we're seeing is that a lot of people are jumping ship because some of the leaders don't realize that they're being offensive. It's an unconscious bias that they have. And it's, it's really causing them to alienate and offend some of their valuable people. And the, they have no idea what they're doing. And that's why it's really, really important for us to pay attention to that topic. We need to make sure that we're understanding the way people want to be spoken with. If someone wants to be addressed with they or their, we need to use those particular pronouns in working with them. And that is going to be very strange for some of our older business leaders. Uh, particularly male to embrace. So, however, it it is vital that organizations address these topics and make sure that they root out as much unconscious bias as they possibly can. So, along the same lines of in, in the DI conversation. There's also been a call for more diversity on board. So why is this happening? And what do you see the future? What do you see in the future for making boards more diverse? According to ISS data, women now make up more than 30% of the directors among the what are called the Russell 3000 index companies, which are the top 3000 companies. Uh, that are, I guess, listed on one of the exchanges. And black directors saw an increase of 200% in the S&P 500 companies. So we're, we're seeing uh, more attention to creating diversity in our boards because the more perspectives that we have in the boardroom the more likely we are to get 
different perspectives and different different answers to things uh, and promote creativity among the people who are there in the room. Uh, interestingly, as we move into the future, I'm seeing more women on boards. And the reason is that over almost, actually almost 60% of the people who are in our colleges and more than 60% of the people who are in our graduate schools are women. And so just basically because they're going to be educated at a higher level, they're going to be more eligible for these these wonderful board positions. And I think that will be a very positive thing for organizations, large and small, as we as we move into the future, because women bring a perspective of, of empathy and caring and many things that have been missing from the boardroom and that are very important for companies to embrace, especially at this time, post-COVID, as we're all coming out of this time when we've struggled so much. And you know, it's not just women, it's the diversity at a higher level on board. That's something I can appreciate to having different voices, different experiences around a table, um, because I also think your boards and your team and the people you work with, your advisors, they have to reflect the people you work with, your clients, the world out there. So it's, it's, it's such an important conversation to have and you have to make an effort to make that work. So um, let's talking from diversity to something a little bit different here. Um, let's, let's talk about the, the newest generation in the workplace. So Gen Y and Z uh, are now represented in, in greater numbers than we've seen before. And, you know, it shifts in ways you know, employers must must deliver learning and development. So talk to me a little bit about what the evolution is, you know, and what that means for employers and the the ability, in essence, to upskill their employees. I'd like to start with a, a quick story. I belong to a women's group called the Sterling Institute of Relationship, and I take Tuesday night classes. My buddy who was assigned to me is a, a millennial. And you may know where this conversation is going already. Uh, I sent her emails and I said, Anya, I'd really like to get together because we were supposed to get together and do our homework. And I kept sending her emails. And finally, in desperation, I just picked up the phone and called her. And she said, oh, email. I never read my email. You want to reach me? Just text me. And that was a real, real eye-opening experience for me because what I learned was that if I want to communicate with millennials, and that goes for my millennial daughter as well as buddies or coworkers or clients, my best bet is going to be to use text. And that is because that's the way they want to be communicated with. There, there's another story I want to share. And that is that in the past, we could put people in a room and we could have someone at the front of the room and the lecture would take about 45 minutes to an hour. 
and people were sitting there taking notes and and they were so they were engaged well fast forward to now and that is not how our younger generations want to learn they want to learn in short videos they want to learn in small bites at the most like a 20 30 minute segments and if we want to engage them we need to ask for answers uh, we need to make sure that we are upskilling them in the ways that they want to be upskilled now if you're taking a baby boomer and wanting that baby boomer to learn new skills you probably don't want to just put that person at a, a computer where they're texting all the time because that's not going to work as well as if it's an in-person experience where they can feed back and forth. Uh, the different generations are looking for different things in training and development. And when we choose, uh, when, when we look at how, uh, the material and the audience, then we can choose the wisest way to deliver that material so that it will be best accepted, embraced, and learned from. So as we're out there, you know, looking at how we deliver that content, there's also, you know, with the great resignation, as you said earlier, there is, you know, a need for employers to set themselves apart, to differentiate themselves so they can attract talent. So what's what's the answer for empl employers trying to do that? Full disclosure, one of the Herman Group of Companies, is, which is the organization of which I'm CEO, is Employer of Choice International, Inc. And it actually certifies employers as being employers of choice. However... You don't have to be certified as an employer of choice to be considered the preferred employer in your industry or in your uh, community. And you need to be the preferred employer if you're going to attract the top talent and therefore optimize your opportunity for profit. Why is it important to be recognized? Because when you are, it draws people to your organization and it makes it much easier and less expensive to recruit and you are much, much less likely to lose your good people. Are there any you know, specific tips that you can share that, let's say, you want to you want to be in the forefront of that and you want to be an employer of choice are there any specific tips you can share that employers you know should think about must implement so as somebody is looking for a company they go like yep that's the one i want to work for especially right now when every company is trying to hire how do they really stand out from that I'm, what I'm, what things can they do i'm so glad you asked that question and the reason is that especially our younger generations are looking for certain things in the culture of the company that they join. And they're looking for some special benefits too. What they're looking for is 
that DEI focus. They want to know that the company that they're going to work for, going to work with, that's going and choose to stay with, and sometimes uh, employees make that decision every day whether they're going to stay or they'll go, and how how focused and productive they want to be, how engaged they want to be. If you have a high level of diversity and inclusion, if there's a high awareness in your culture for those elements, that's going to help you a lot. Having a high level of corporate social responsibility is going to help you a lot, especially with the younger talent. And finally, the younger talent is looking for some very specific benefits education, development, career pathing. Uh, sometimes it's forgiveness of student loans, help with or help with a lower interest rate on student loans. They're, they're looking for childcare. They're looking for very specific uh, things when they choose the company that they go with. And if an organization is willing to be open-minded, is willing to understand that there is no one-size-fits-all value proposition. In the interview, you need to find out what people really value so that you can give that to them. It's almost right now that you have to make, have almost bespoke offers as everybody comes in so you can tailor um, what people, you know, what you offer to people based on what their needs are. So um, it's maybe a good follow-up question here, but what do you see um, is the most important issue for business leaders to focus on, to, you know, to be successful this year in 2022? It, it's right on point. And the answer is retention, retention, retention. Without good people, we can't serve our customers, make the products. We can't stay in business. With talented people, the sky's the limit, especially if we pay attention to what they're thinking and feeling. I have encouraged employers to conduct stay interviews. If you conduct exit interviews, it's too late. They're already gone. We want to conduct stay interviews and find out what they like about the job and what they don't like about the job. So that if the dissatisfiers are more than the things that they like, we can address them before they become so big that people end up leaving us. And the issue is very complex because it involves our leaders being empathetic. It involves engagement. It involves benefits, competitive wages. There are many, many factors that come into the whole retention conversation. But it is the most important thing that leaders can focus on. Because when people walk out the door, so does their corporate capital. So does the history, the knowledge of how to get things done within their culture. And it can be very, very uh, dangerous to an organization to lose 
a lot of long tenured employees. And, and one more thing while I'm on the subject, and that is that we have thought leaders within our organizations, people who are just natural born leaders and other people look up to them. And that's good. And we can use those thought leaders. However, when a thought leader leaves you, oftentimes there's a parade of other people going out the door right after them. So please, please pay attention to and take care of, especially your thought leaders. Joyce, thank you for this enlightening conversation today. So in closing and wrap up, share with me some of your, or your top three tips really for both the employers and the employees that they can implement today. Okay, I'm going to give you the tips for the employees first. Number one, if you decide to leave your employer, and that's a big if, because a lot of people discover that when they jump to another job, the grass is not greener. Please take time to choose wisely. Please choose, and that brings me to the second point, shop for your new company based on two things, culture and benefits. You may decide that you want to go back to school. And so educational reimbursement is really, really important. But please do not choose a company that's, that's going to give you that educational reimbursement at the, at the loss of a culture where you feel comfortable. When my middle daughter was deciding where she was going to go to college, she did a very smart thing. Nobody prompted her. This just came out of her brain. My daughter, Melissa, when she went to the different colleges, said, how comfortable do I feel here? Do I feel like these I could be friends with these people? And interestingly, the place she felt more comfortable was Harvard. And so that's where she ended up in school. So please make sure that that culture is going to be aligned with your values and that you're going to be happy there. Number three, if you want a promotion, be sure to make the case for how you're contributing to your organization because that's going to be your unique selling proposition for the promotion or more money or whatever it is that you're looking for more from the your current employer. Now, I'm going to turn to employers. Number one, pay attention to how your people are feeling and how productive they are, because that is a clear signal to you whether they're going to be happy enough to stay. And actually, there's now something brand new that I just talked about in the end of this, actually this week's Herman Trend Alert in, on, it was called Avoiding Employee Abuse. And there's something called an ECI, which is an Emotional Culture Index. And it's free. Uh, it, uh, I'm happy to 
let people know if they just want to drop me a note at Joyce at HermanGroup.com. It's free to the company to get that ECI through uh, an assessments pro friend of mine. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy to connect organizations because it's important for you to know what is going on in the hearts of your organization. How are they feeling? Number two, plan ahead. Retention will be your biggest challenge in this year. Get creative. Understand that, that you'll need to add value this year beyond what people's expectations are. Find ways to delight your employees by providing extra goodies. Maybe what you want to do is every month, if your company is a small to medium-sized company and you can afford it, send them something that's got the company logo and their name on it. Something that says, we care about you. Or maybe you want to just do that like once every three months or something. But make sure that your people know that you really care. And then finally, work with your leaders, and that's HR and your manage, uh, your hiring managers, to craft value propositions that are exactly what people are looking for. And that way, you're going to have a much, much better hiring rate in terms of offers versus accepted offers. It's really you, Joyce. to be with you again, Al. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Join me next time for a conversation with Barry Ford, where we continue our dialogue around the future of work. Thank you and be more.